the care of the Lord is always as close as the Lord is to us. Mm. We got to stop and receive it. The pace we run is not something that has been prescribed for us through scripture, right? It's, it's something that's coming from an unsettled heart and a desire to want to do the work of the Lord, but at a pace that he hasn't called us to do that work. And I would just encourage men who are listening to this to maybe pause and maybe remember the compassion, the love and the mercy of, of Christ. Welcome back to the Small Town Summit podcast. We are here to equip you and encourage you in the gospel as you seek to faithfully serve Jesus in small places. And I am excited to have Stephen Whitmer with me to co-host our guest for today. Donnie Griggs is the pastor at One Harbor Church in Moorhead City, North Carolina. And Ronnie Martin is the pastor of Substance Church in Ashland, Ohio. Donnie and Ronnie, um, which they should have some kind of joint nickname, co-wrote a book called Pastoring Small Towns. And they were kind enough to join us on the podcast today so that we can pick their brains about the book. These are humble and godly brothers who have written a resource designed to help you uh, cultivate Jesus's character and his heart for your small towns and for your churches and to renew in you um, the the passion that you had at first and to help you to be faithful uh, in these days. The subtitle is Help and Hope for Those Ministering in Smaller Places. And uh, my prayer for you is that you would find that uh, in this conversation and that you would um, go on to go read their book and be helped by it as you seek to be faithful where Jesus has you. May the Lord bless you in this conversation with Donnie and Ronnie. Well, we are in for a treat today. I'm really excited to have Donnie Griggs and Ronnie Martin and the Stephen Whitmer uh, helping host the podcast today. Donnie, Ronnie, man, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. How are you guys? Yeah, we're good, man. We're good. We're I, we both feel really honored to be here, you know. And I, I'm not sure who I was listening, but I know I've met a bunch of y'all up there um, in New England, and so yeah, just honored to get a chance to encourage you a little bit. Yeah, this uh, this interview was Stephen's idea um, from one author to another, just always on the lookout for um, good brothers serving the church. You guys are coming out with a new book um, called This is Huge for Us because we have a lot of guys that um, love pastoring in their small towns, a lot of guys that are weary. Uh, in pastoring their small towns, a lot of guys that aren't sure if they're going to make it pastoring small towns and probably everywhere in between. And uh, it's it's really encouraging to have small town pastors riding to pastoral ministry in a way that is yeah. um, that, that connects with guys who are here on the ground. So, man, I'd love for you guys just to introduce yourself to listeners, um, people that aren't familiar with you, who you are and why you care about small town ministry. And then um, get into a little bit of why you guys uh, wrote this book. Go ahead, Don. You do it. You start off, man. Kick it off. I'm the Donnie to your Ronnie. That's right. Um, all right. So um, Donnie Griggs, um, yeah, I'm living in a little town, quote unquote, because who knows what that even means. Um, the confession is that we have a Walmart. So I know that you're going to turn on, tune out of the podcast right now, but a uh, little town called Moorhead City. Um, North Carolina, and um, it's on the coast of um, North Carolina, like kind of the bottom of the Outer Banks, if you're familiar with that, um, and live here with my wife, Jill. We've been married 15 years, and our two boys, Jed and Wyatt, 11 and 8, and our dog, Trigger, um, and we yeah, I live, I lead a church called One Harbor Church um, that we started 14 years ago. Um, it's now multi-site, and you know, even that's a product of just the the kind of the nature of being around a bunch of small towns, and um, and, you know, lots of opportunities to, to multiply um, in these little towns. And so um, anyway, been doing that for for the last 14 years, um, had a chance to write a book back in 2016, um, you know, uh, called Small Town Jesus, um, which um, ended up connecting me to guys like Stephen and Ben and Ronnie and others. And I've been so much better for it. Um, yeah, I feel like I 
I, I have realized how not alone I am in the small town struggles and leading and loving a little town and not feeling like, you know, I'm waiting to graduate to a big city. So, um, yeah, I'm really thankful to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Ronnie Martin here. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm currently pastoring in Ashland, Ohio. So Ashland is a, it's, a, it's a, definitely a smaller town than where Donnie is. So if we're going to get yeah. into a competition, you know, really? I have, I have the true small town, I think is what we're those to guys into this contest though, bro. They correct. Were- <laughs> correct. But um, no, Ashland is uh, it's about 25, 30,000. So, you know, not tiny, tiny again. I don't know how we, we don't know how to stack these things up or define them, but uh, we planted here uh, 10 years ago. So we're celebrating our 10 year anniversary of Substance Church uh, this year. And so we planted in 2013. And there we go. And um, well, yeah, we don't believe that. It's a tourist town. Donnie just held up a sign for all of you that said 10,000, which is not true. But um, so we planted here in 2013. We planted another church up the road in another small town called Worcester in 2016. And um, so I am a Southern California transplant. So I grew up as um, I grew up in a, in a very tiny rural part of Southern California before transitioning to the suburbs. And um, we relocated to Ohio about 13 years ago. And um, we just found ourselves in this town, growing with the culture, learning about, you know, what it means to serve and minister um, in a place that was in some ways similar to where I grew up, but different because everything's different. And um, so the Lord really, you know, just gave me a heart. My heart was captured by these, by these types of areas. I traveled a lot in these, in these types of towns and through these, through these regions throughout my, uh, my younger years. Um, And there's just something about, um, I think just uh, something that captured my heart just in terms of the, the culture, the geography, the beauty, um, just seeing, just seeing, I think some of the desperate needs that we see um, in some of these towns that are, you know, we, we like to talk about that they're forgotten and there's a lot of truth to that um, because there, there's more enticing quote unquote places to find yourself and to go, you know, gain a a ministry that's going to have a little more prominence or a little more, um, you know, noticeability but uh, the Lord really did something in our heart about this town in particular. And so he's just, he's really just uh, blessed the work we've done here. It's not a huge work. We're not, we're not a massive church, but the Lord has really just surrounded us with people that just share this vision to, to see people in this town. And then, you know, as we continue to, you know, kind of look at what's around us and the, a lot of the small towns that surround us, what he might do uh, in some of those areas and some of those regions. So Donnie and I really, you know, we really, we just, I don't even remember how we, met to be honest maybe you remember that don but i we connected over in some way shape or form we were at a tgc conference a few years back and i i don't need you you were in indiana then you drove to the house because you're only a couple hours away you and all of a sudden tgc thing weren't you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that was just together a, yeah are That's you talking right, about yeah, the small town summit yeah. thing we did yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yep so I, I forget how we all it's been a few years now but donnie and i just i don't know we're so different so if you were, if you were to hang out with me and Don for like a minute, we're really, I mean, we're really, we're really different people. And I think that's why we click together. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of diversity in, in the, in our different interests and our, and our likes and, and our wives really love each other. So we've spent some time at each other's houses. And so we just developed a friendship that kind of, kind of yeah. formed out of a love of what we're both doing and passion for it. And uh, yeah. <clears throat> And I think that's really cool that you guys are so different because you'll probably be able to connect with a lot of different guys where the overlap of guys listening in, no matter where we're from or what we're doing is that we love Jesus and we're serving in small towns mm-hmm. and yeah. like, how can we, how can we learn from each other and how can we learn from you guys? And um, I that's- know that's been your, your heart, Donnie is, you know, with this first book, small town, Jesus, and like just, doing a lot of what we sought to do at the summits, which is like bring the gospel to bear on small town ministry and show that it, it matters. It matters to Jesus and um, that the people of its town matter. And uh, now the Lord's laid this new book on you guys' heart. And so we've got um, a big gospel in small places from Stephen and we've got small town Jesus from Donnie. And now we've got pastoring small towns that you guys have written. So um, what do you guys feel like this book in particular brings to the table and, and 
why God laid it on your heart to connect and write this book together. Yeah. I mean, so, um, I mean, there are just some, thankfully there, there have been, I mean, you mentioned a couple of them, but there, there are more, I mean, Will Basham's book. I mean, just trying to think like there's man, it's been really cool to see, um, not just a resurgence of like interest, um, around small town ministry. Um, the, I've loved the prioritization we've seen, you know, I mean, we've done stuff at Gordon Conwell and Covenant and, you know, you know, at that level, RTS and Charlotte, all the way to like, you know, different denominations and conferences. I mean, just to see that has been really encouraging um, over the last several years. Um, and kind of with that, you know, like new works, like these books and stuff have come in that, you know, can be hopefully a source of encouragement and, um, and you know, strengthening to folks either considering small town ministry or already in it. Um yeah, so we didn't write the book because other good books have not been written. That's not that's not who we are. Ain't nobody got time for that, or we don't have time for that. Um, the hope really was to um, kind of add to you know this like growing work of resources that God is 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 um, yeah is is entrusting guys with and and um, and to just add add, add another voice to that. Um, we we felt like um, it could be helpful to have something that um, really spoke to existing folks in existing uh, ministry in, in small town rural places. So not guys who are considering planting, um, although it's not like we don't need to hear that more and more, but guys who are already there, um, um, how do we encourage them? How do we help strengthen them, especially in this sort of post-pandemic world? Um, and kind of with that, um, you know, when I, when I wrote um, that first book, it was like right around the Trump presidency. And I don't think any of us had reckoned with like the way that rural America was going to respond politically um, like they have. Um, and I just think a lot of the guys we all know, including ourselves, feel shell-shocked and disorientated and all the rest. It just felt like, man, why don't we try to, why don't we try to encourage them? You know, why don't we try to, you know, help, help speak into that as, as guys who know what that feels like, you know, um, we're living it every day. We're leading churches like that every day. So Ronnie, what would you have, bub? Yeah. I mean, I, I love everything you said. Uh, Don, I, you know, pastors are always running on an encouragement deficit is kind of how we see it. And there's something unique and anonymous. There's a lot of anonymity um, when you start looking into, you know, pastors who are ministering in places of which they don't, they don't have a lot of friends, or if there are churches within their region, everybody's very disconnected, or there's a fear of connecting because maybe you have denominational differences or theological differences. So there's definitely like a, there's definitely a, a just a, an isolating aspect about being in a place where there's not a lot of people and not a lot of influence. And, you know, I do a lot of work with my denomination with the, the Evangelical Free Church of America. And so our, uh, you know, our district is 95% small towns and small churches. And so even being that close to it and being, being a part of it, even on a denominational level, having the opportunity to meet with minister to a lot of these guys um, there. I mean, there is just a, there's a reality to what these men are doing where they they're just hungry for, for any kind of connection, any kind of encouragement. And, you know, you know, as much as, you know, even Donnie and I have benefited from a, a lot of the writing that's out there, like you all have, or even a lot of these conferences that have been out there that have been fantastic. We've all benefited from that. But there, there, there's really not a lot that speaks in specifically to what it is that somebody who's pastoring a church of 60 people um, in a town of 5,000 people is actually dealing with on the day to day. And um, so we just saw it as what a great opportunity as guys that are in some version of that um, to be able to say, hey, be, it's a different thing. It's a different kind of ministry. These are very unique challenges. Can we just talk about that for a minute and um, hopefully be a light, you know, in some in some of these these people's uh, just kind of the darkness that they sort of operate within, if that makes sense. you know. Hey, Ben, do you mind if I just jump in? Yeah, yeah please. I, uh, I just wanted to say personally, thank you to, to the two of you so much for being on this podcast. And um, I've met Ronnie before. I don't know you as well, Ronnie. Um, Donnie has we've had him come speak at. Uh, small town summit stuff. And I've gotten the chance to preach, speak at his church, preach at his church and speak at a small town Jesus thing and uh, be in his home. So, uh, and Donnie, you've just been so generous to, to me and to what we're doing in new England over the years. Um, so I'm really, really grateful for you personally. Uh, years ago, David Pinckney and I 
you you pulled a group together of small town guys from around the world. Yeah. And we flew down to Moorhead City and we're, we're part of that. It feels like a very long time ago. It was only maybe like four or five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does feel like a lifetime ago, man. One question that came to my mind, um, it, it, you guys have written a good book and um, I, I commend it um, to other people. And I think it is different than other stuff that I've read. I think it, 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 it um, I think you said this in there somewhere, but it, it's less about building a case for small town ministry and more about the kind of nuts and bolts of small town ministry and, and, and being a pastor in, yeah. in small places. And I, if I was going to characterize your book and kind of what's distinctive about it, I would say it's, it's kind of based on the virtues of godly shepherding in a mm. small place. Like Brad Roth wrote a book that's kind of focused on various disciplines, um, yeah. God's country. Yep. And some of us have written on kind of how we do it and why we do it. Yeah. And you guys have really focused on the the kind of a virtue ap- approach. Um, so, so one thing that struck me right away when I saw the book was um, it's called the title. The main title is, is pastoring small towns. And is there a reason why it's called pastoring small towns rather than pastoring in small towns or pastoring churches in small towns? Is that intentional or was that a publisher's decision or was that your, your decision? <laughs> Gosh, well, I mean, cause I don't, I don't think of pastoring my town in the same way that I think of pastoring my, my church. Um, and, and I know some guys have talked about this, you know, in a small town, you are the pastor of the town. So are you, is that intentional to talk that way? So I don't know that it was as intentional as, you know, um, it could have been maybe, I think it was more, you know, brainstorming lots and lots of different titles and versions of the thing. And, and, you know, with, with the publisher trying to figure out, you know, what sounded the best. I do think there is a nature like I wouldn't, I mean, I don't know what it feels like to be a, a Tim Keller, but even still, I don't, you know, there is something about the, like the smallness of where a lot of us find ourselves where like it or not, you do feel like you're the pastor of like this village, you know, in the sense that like, there are lots of people who don't go to our church who think, man, you know, when someone dies in our family, that guy is the guy to talk to There is like, there's something about that that just feels like there's a responsibility, whether you want it or not for, you know, the community. Um, and there is a, there, there's that kind of thing. So I think, I don't think it's, I think, I don't think it's always true everywhere, but I think it's more true in small rural places that that is a factor or can be a factor than it is in your big suburban kind of urban, you know, areas um, where you just, you know, you have a lot more ability to disappear, you know? Yeah. A greater percentage of the population knows you, recognizes you. You're more of a public figure in that town of 10,000 or whatever than in a city of 2 million. Yeah. Really blurry lines. Really. Yeah. 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 Tell me, I mean, you talk about that a bit in some of your chapters too, like being out on a date with your your wife and you're seeing people from the church or the community who are yeah, wanting to be pastored. In that moment, right now. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, I think that too, um, just, you know, before diving into some of the details of the book and some of the content itself, um, one of the things that I've appreciated from Donnie in person and then, but it communicates in the way that both of you, so Ronnie, we don't know each other well, but I can tell, like, you kind of share the same, like, we take Jesus very seriously, but not ourselves too seriously. There's a, there's a humility and kind of a, um, a lightheartedness that is just like you, your hearts are full of joy in the Lord. And, and then that communicates mm-hmm. and, um, and that's, so great i think adds to some of the medicine mm. for weary pastors that are looking to connect with real people and um mm. it's pretty amazing that that can communicate that way where you feel like these are real guys mm. that are communicating with us about real pastoring in small towns and so um i appreciate that so much and mm-hmm. you guys say the the subtitle is help and hope for those ministering in smaller places, which is an awesome aim anyways. Um, mm. And I think that that's right, that it it does target primarily pastors, pastoring small towns. But I think the principles that are there from what I've read really a- apply across the board to people that are serving Jesus in small places um, mm. in in 
in other uh, capacities. So uh, you guys, it seems like you alternated chapters or um, there's like a, even a funny little anecdote in there about you guys writing on the same chapter and then no. <laughs> publishing both of them, which I thought was cool. Um, so as you guys uh, decided on who was going to write on what or um, you you put the pen to the paper and, and came up with this finished book, what are you most are there are there particular chapters that you're most excited personally for other people to to read or that um maybe even you found most nourishing yourself mm -hmm. to study mm -hmm. and to write yeah the funny story about the final chapter is we thought the other person had that chapter <laughs> so so then we, we both wrote about it and then so we said let's just divide it and what, what's the name of the, the final chapter again if you can endurance. My yeah. endurance yeah but um but we wrote about two different aspects of endurance. And I really love how those two chapters just end the book together, two different aspects of endurance. And I think, um, you know, I feel that right now in my life. Um, I feel like I'm at a point where I really, I really need the Lord to give me some increased strength for even the work that I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. I'm, at a, I'm, at a, I'm at an endurance deficit right now. So I'm really feeling it. I'm really feeling the strain of the last few years. Um, I think way more than I, than I could possibly imagine. And even as I see a counselor right now and we, we talk about different things and we process the last few years and the effects that COVID had and all the political things, um, endurance is, is a word that just keeps coming to the surface. And mm -hmm. I know that just even for myself, somebody that just wrote about it and wants it and prays for it, and praise with other pastors so that the Lord would provide them with it. It's such a, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's such a, it's such a key element to the work that we're doing because there is, I, I think I used the word anonymity before. There's something, there's something about the anonymity of what we do that um, makes it so that you, you want somebody, you, you want somebody to, it, it's hard, you want somebody to acknowledge your work, right? We all feel that way. Is there, is there anybody that sees what I'm doing? Um, you know, the people that, the people that we pastor here, you know, it's, it's a, you know, in my town, it's a bit of a throwback culture. So in, in some of the, in some of the unique ways that pastors don't carry the same level of respect in certain areas, like they used to in years past, it's a little bit different here. And that pastors still carry a little bit of respect within, you know, within the culture, but it, it, it also means that they, that you are just sort of a given within the community. You are somebody that just exists there um, to kind of do the thing that, that you're, that you're to do, right. Which is to preach at a church and pastor a church and be, be visible in the community and be at the coffee shops and be at the restaurants. But even in that, there's a sense where you look around and because maybe because we're there's, there's social media and there's all of these bigger things going on. You just think, I, I, I don't know if I'm having an impact and I, and I feel very, I feel very fatigued and I can feel very disillusioned and I can feel, um, I can feel very, um, very alone. And so endurance um, is just something that I think very specific to somebody pastoring in a small town needs to be sought after. It needs to be prayed for um, anytime we can find a group of men that can that can sort of stand with us, whether it's our elders or whether it's a group of pastors that, it, you know, that we can network with. It's just so important um, because we are, we're just running low on that. I feel like all the time and, and me right now, I'm at a point, a season where I am running low on that right now. So I love those two chapters. Um, I'm talking too much, but I love those final two chapters. I love the way the spirit kind of worked in that in a funny way and very specifically to have us chop those things in half. So it was, that was really great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we'd, we'd be doing a disservice to people listening to have the three of you on a call and have um, that, you know, ministry fatigue and um, feeling alone, wondering if you're having an impact. Uh, every single pastor listening in can, and, and you use the phrase, Ronnie, uh, an encouragement deficit, which I've not heard, but resonate with. Mm. So, um, you know, you almost want to give out like a little public service announcement for people that aren't pastors listening in and like, Hey, go encourage your pastor just because it would be a blessing. And you, like maybe one ounce of that could, could keep him in ministry for yeah. a little bit longer. Yeah. But so what, what do you guys do to, um, to buoy your 
hearts pastorally with with the joy of the Lord to give you a kind of a fresh endurance. Um, you mentioned brotherhood, Ronnie, but things like that. I think you said you, you go talk to a counselor, but I, you guys have all pastored uh, longer than I have and probably longer than some that are listening. And um, yeah, I would love to hear your wisdom on even things that you wrote about that you have to recall to mind for that endurance. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, not to sound like super spiritual, because I'm definitely, I'm definitely benefiting from seeing a counselor as well. And I definitely, definitely benefit from brotherhood and friendship. Um, I think like in, in the, this last recent season, um, maybe more so than ever, I, I, I'm, I've, I've, I've felt what Ronnie's described and what I, you know, what I imagine, you know, definitely some of the guys listening, uh, feel, which is that, that, you know, just the exhaustion, uh, feeling exasperated. Um, just, you know, one of the things that's changed since I wrote that first book and since Stephen wrote his book and, you know, all these things, one of the things that's changed in, in the landscape, not just like the, um, kind of the outside cultural with COVID and all the rest, but like within evangelicalism, so many of our heroes are no longer heroes. So many of the people who wrote the books that got us to put our hand up and go plant churches who spoke at the conferences that got us to go, okay, we're in, we're putting our yes on the table are no longer counting. Some of them are no longer even alive. And that is like really sobering. Um, and, and so, and I've lost heroes and friends. There's old, like a uh, Randy Travis song about how you can always count on your heroes and friends. And I've thought about that song a lot over this last season, like, man, I've lost a lot of heroes and friends. And so I think, I've been really thankful for there. There are some really godly examples that are ahead of us. I mean, you know, Stephen mentioned David Pinckney. I mean, guys like that, you just think, man, I, mean, I want to be like Dave when I grow up, you know, like I want to, I want to be, he's not old, but he's older than me. You know, he's further down the tracks than me and he's still loving Jesus and he's still loving the church and he's loving his family. Like there's definitely, there's, there's heroes and there's definitely friends. Um, but I've been really encouraged recently by just, going back and looking for pictures of endurance and faithfulness in ministry that I see in scripture. And I'm just embarrassed to say that I had missed that stuff. You know, like I, some of those things I'd really miss. So like, I mean, quickly, this isn't a sermon and there won't be an offering, but like just two that have really helped me. Um, so Philip, you know, we see him in acts eight, you know, and he's just flipping, killing it, you know, it's this evangelist um, you know, he's reaching Samaritans and there's the Ethiopian eunuch. There's, you know, he gets teleported or, whatever. I'll let, I'll let Steven, he's the guy who writes commentaries. He didn't explain that one to me, but, um, <laughs> um, you know, he, he gets, he gets relocated. He's, you know, he's passing through these little towns. He ends up in Caesarea and that's kind of it. Right. Within 20 years later, you know, in Acts 21, um, Paul, which is just, a, there's a whole layers and layers of stuff here, but Paul comes through on his way to Jerusalem and enters the house of Philip, you know, the evangelist there in Caesarea 20 years later, and he's got a family now. He's got a home now. Like, man, that, and, and now he's called the evangelist. Like in Acts 8, you see him evangelizing. I mean, he's just like, he's never stopped. He's like still going for it. There's just that picture of faithfulness I'd never seen until this last season. And, you know, Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 talking about, I've, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to run this race, you know, that I'm, you know, and I'm trying to fight this fight and I'm looking forward to this imperishable wreath, you know, like it's like that imagery. I kind of like never really paid attention to that. I was always paying attention to the all for the sake of the gospel passage right before it. But then you flip 14, 12, 14 years later, second Timothy four, what is Paul saying as he's writing his last words to Timothy? He says, I, I ran the race. I fought the fight. Henceforth is laid up for me, the crown of righteousness. Like that imagery is still a dominant thing for Paul all through all those years and all those hardships. There was a race. There's a, there's a fight, there's a crown. And like he, he made it to the end. And, and I just have found myself really desperately needing that in this last season, like needing to see pictures of like faithfulness and endurance to remind my heart that it's actually possible because I can honestly start to tell myself it's a matter of time before you're a statistic. It's a matter of time, you know, because all these people were, they're more gifted than me. I mean, we could list the names we won't, but they're better than me. It's a matter of time. You know, I can feel that, you know? And so um, part of the impetus of writing this stuff is, is just us really processing it ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's really, it's nourishing to even hear like going brotherhood counseling, going to the word, having the Holy Spirit press his word into the 
the corners of your heart. And I think, um, yeah, I've just been trying to drill down fresh on having George Mueller, I think was the one that said that the first business of every day would be to get his heart happy in God. Mm -hmm. And like, there's, there's just, um, there's him at the well. And, yeah. uh, and so yeah. we, we have to be filled with him. And, um, usually when I get up from him to look at the length of the road in front of me is when I start getting overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah. So Donnie, how about you, man? Um, and you can't say the chapters on endurance ones that you felt like you were either the most excited for people to read, or that was the most helpful and helpful for yourself as you wrote it. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I was kind of answering the question um, when, when I was just doing that bit. I, so I apologize if I didn't follow the order there. I mean, cause I, I mean, I, I, you know, there's that chapter on faithfulness, you know, and, and just reckoning with kind of um, the whole, like if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one here, there to hear, did it make a sound like that? How that really, how often it feels like that, you know, like mm -hmm. no one knows, no one cares, no one sees, um, you know, there's just, there's kind of consistency to that feeling in a lot of times in rural ministry. And, um, so, but like this good work needs to be done, even if people don't see it and don't applaud it, like it's good work and it needs to be done. And, and, and like that kind of against the backdrop of Jesus sees it and Jesus thinks it's good work and Jesus said it needs to be done, you know? And so, um, yeah, I was, I was really, um, thankful to get to write on that. Um, I hey, Donnie, can I, can I just chime in here too and, yeah, and say please. one of the, one of the things I found really, um, hope giving about your book was that it's, it is, it's not really skill skills based, you know, it's not like personality driven. Mm. Um, all of it is impossible for us and all of it is possible. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you're not saying here's a certain model that will only work in certain places, or you must have this alpha personality in order to pull this off. Um, you're calling for really basic things, um, faithfulness, humility, endurance and you're right none of us can can do that on our own but but if we're empowered by christ all of us can do that ordinary people can do the things that you're calling for in this book uh ronnie you you said something in one of your chapters i thought was really insightful um you talked about how christ sees that sees the, these crowds that need fed and he says to the disciples you feed them and then and then he he feeds them the disciples feed them but with food that he's multiplying and it's this beautiful picture i had never really thought quite about about it that way before but of us actively engaged in doing what we can but it's never enough i mean everything we do is derivative um, and it all comes from him so he gets all the glory for it but um, yeah, I, I'd love to even hear you just, Ronnie, reflect on what that looks like, that dynamic looks like in practice. So, you, you know, here are all these virtues. We maybe we're reading this and we feel weak and maybe we feel empty. And so how, how does, how, how are you seeing Christ work those things in you? Or how do you stay active, but not owning too much of it? And even as you're pouring yourself out in ministry, you're being refreshed and you feel him doing this for you? How does that all, how's that all work out in, in your own life and ministry? Mm. I appreciate those, those kind words. Um, you know, th there was something about that line. It's always struck me when he says you feed him. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's sort of the heart of ministry when God calls a pastor and says, you preach the gospel, whose gospel, my gospel, you speak the words, whose words, my words. You know, mm, um, yeah, yeah. And so I think, I think the problem is, is that when I wake up every morning, I forget that. And mm. so I take this, I take this burden that I'm not supposed to be carrying on my shoulders that says, actually, this is my strength. This is my energy. These are my words. These are my ideas. This is my time. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what, I think that is what that, that is, that comes with the maturity of the Christian life when we realize that all we're doing is running with the materials that God has created and then given us and then strengthen us and then given us the faith 
to even offer the people that we're ministering to. Mm. And, you know, the only way I know how to find joy in remembering that is, again, just going back to the spiritual disciplines and those practices, making sure that I am staying close to Jesus through prayer and through, you know, just a just time in the word and um, and also making sure that, um, you know, I'm I'm connecting with people in a way that allows me to be more others oriented. Um, so, so when he says, it's just so, it's such a unique line when he says you feed them because in a way he's, he's pulling them out of themselves and ministry is just, especially in the, in the day and age we live in, in the ways that we all can do ministry, it's, it can become incredibly like a navel gazing process for us. Right. And, and nobody's going to tell you that, that the work you're doing that, that allows you to focus more on yourself is bad work. It's just that if we're not careful, it's work that puts all the focus back on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so by, by, be, by intentionally being more others oriented, like Jesus, I believe, was leading those disciples to be in that moment, it, it just, it allows our lungs, our spiritual lungs to fill back up with the reality that, hey, I only was able to breathe a breath this morning when I woke up because God gave me that breath to breathe. And that just, it just removes that weight. But I, the problem is I don't, I don't preach that to myself. And so the part of the discipline is saying, Hey, remember, remember who the pastor is here. Remember who the creator is here. Remember um, who, uh, remember who Jesus is, you know, and I, and that that passage is like, Hey, remember, remember what you're doing based on what I'm already doing. Yeah. That's That's really good. That's really good. Maybe just one follow-up to that. Um, this year we're doing six summits around new England and the mm. theme of our summits is the gift of weakness in ministry. Oh yeah. And I would love to have you guys each just speak briefly to that theme. Um, Cause I, I think it is a theme that kind of runs throughout your book. You know, you're talking about being a pastor in this crazy post COVID mm. world. And, um, and I think, I think weakness does speak into what you were just talking about, Ronnie. It's, it's a way that God, even against our wills reminds us that we, we need him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as, as we focus, um, uh, uh, small town summits this year on this theme, are there, are there ways that you see that connecting to your book, um, or just connecting to your own, your own ministries? Are are there ways in which your your weakness has been a gift to you? Hundred percent, thousand percent. Yeah, I I am um, I am different and and better um, because of these hard years. Um, you know, I, I've thought about this a lot. Some someone said to me at a thing a couple of years ago. They just said, "Man, when we first got around you guys, you talk about me and some of the churches that you know I, I was partnering with." They they said, we really felt like you walked with a swagger and it just, man, it broke me down, you know? Um, and it's not the case anymore. And it's not the case anymore because of just a series of events, you know, that have caused us to, you know, I would say walk with a limp. And, um, and so I feel that I feel very humbled by, um, these last years of ministry. Um, and I think it's made me a better pastor. It's made me a, a safer pastor, a better leader, a safer leader. Um, and you know, the, that that weakness is 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 a benefit it is a blessing you know because you know walking with a swagger is incompatible with advancing the gospel but walking with a limp that's perfect that's perfect and um got a good friend rigby who leaves a church in in cape town south africa who who says you know he you know he just talks about the the two frontiers of the gospel and i don't know if he came up with it or not but just the uttermost parts of the of the earth and the innermost parts of our hearts and i have just you know i i lived in a world of like kind of the uttermost parts of the earth thing for so long in my Christianity and my leadership. And um, I think you can overswing the pendulum to the innermost parts of your heart too. You know, you can make this all about sort of yourself and introspection and all the rest. Uh, But I think holding those tensions of, man, the gospel is always advancing in those ways. And um, it it just makes us better, makes us safer and gives me hope, you know, like my friends who are wrestling with that kind of stuff and any pastor I can, I can encourage you. It gives us, gives me hope for the future. You know, it's just unsustainable, the kind of swagger um, approach to to leadership and ministry that I think unfortunately became normal there for a while and certainly was normal in circles that I was in, you know, and that I was a part of. Man, I think that um, one of the things that 
I have been most impacted uh, by interacting with and listening to Donnie Griggs is so he genuinely loves people and um, you can't be around him very long without, without feeling that for yourself, but also just your examples and the way that you shepherd um, in your town and, and actually care for people. And then Ronnie man was so blessed by the chapter on compassion. I think even just how pastoral it was in mm. that it doesn't just jump to pastors having compassion for their people, but God having compassion on us mm. and, and kind of coming out of that. Well, so Man, I'd love for you guys to speak into, um, you know, how guys can recover that, mm-hmm. that, I, I mean, aside from pick up this book and and read it and be nourished by it, but Stephen's right. This, this is not like a silver bullet, like, Hey, read this book and you'll be kind of renewed and refreshed for mm-hmm. 10 more years in pastoral ministry. It's like, you need Jesus and you, you but, but let him remind you of these things. And one of the things that he's used this book to remind me of is to see the town in a certain way and to see the people he's called me to serve in a certain way. So um, how do you guys do that? Um, and even if you want to come out of the content of the book, but even more so just from the, the fruit of your life, man, how, like, how do you, um, if guys are feeling weary and the idea of, of loving their town just sounds exhausting because they've loved it for a long time and it hasn't seemed to work. And so how, how do you encourage them? Yeah. I think, you know, I, I think what hits me with that is we have to learn how to have compassion on ourselves. We, we have to learn how to, how to, to the best of our limited ability to, uh, you know, to adopt the patience and the compassion that God has for us and have that on ourselves, you know, and to, to understand that these have been some lean years and nobody knows that better than, than the Lord. And the Lord is, the Lord is eager for us to find rest and renewal. The Lord is eager for us to pull back maybe some of the, the manic paces that we've been running because of what we've come through and our tendency just to produce and produce and to work harder and to work harder and just to, to maybe pause and maybe remember the compassion and the love and the mercy of, of Christ. And to, if you can take a minute, if you can take a pocket, if you can take even a time um, to allow yourself and you can, this is daily, this is weekly, this is monthly. This is, you know, if we can allow ourselves time to pause and ponder the goodness of the Lord and realize that sometimes the, the, the pace we run is not something that has been, you know, prescribed for us through scripture, right? It's, it's a, it's, it's something that's coming from an unsettled and an unsettled heart and um, a desire to want to do the work of the Lord, but at a pace that he hasn't called us to do that work. And, and I think we, I think I see a lot of guys just, just running hard in that direction without ever stopping and without ever thinking that the Lord understands what they've come through way more than they even have the ability to understand. But we have to stop and we have to give ourselves an opportunity to receive that level of care and compassion so that um, we, are, we are not frustrated. We are not like kind of opening the drawer and looking at the ninth resignation letter that we wrote over the last few months and deciding which one we want to use. Um, because I think, um, I think the care of the Lord is always as close as the Lord is to us, Mm. but we got to stop and receive it. And I would just encourage men who are listening to this stop and receive the compassion and the care of the Lord. It might Mm. just, it might be seeking out somebody that can encourage you. It might be taking a break. It might be, um, hitting pause. Um, but those, those would just be some really, really without a lot of time to unpack, just some, some basic things I think that have, that are, that are helping me because I'm trying to, trying to step into that a, a lot more. Mm. Um, yeah. Donnie, yeah. man, uh, may, maybe you can just, we even use your um, encouragement towards these guys, towards coming out of that, that rest and the compassion of the Lord to then turn to love again, um, both the church and and the town, man, I think you've done that in really creative ways. So can you give us kind of a final word of encouragement to people who want to be more faithful, want to be renewed for a greater intentionality and loving where Jesus has called them to? Yeah. Um, I mean, absolutely. I think, um, 
I mean, there's that whole second Corinthians one bit on, you know, the God of all comfort, you know, the father of mercies who comforts us in all our, all of our afflictions. Um, and then, it, you know, it says, so that we may be able to comfort others, you know, with the comfort we've received. And I just, and I mean, we need to, we need to hear that brothers and sisters. Um, we need to hear that we don't have anything to give. We don't have any comfort to give. And comfort is like a, I'm using it as a, as a catch-all for all the things that you are, are going to be asked to do in that little place that God has put you every single bit of it from a sermon prepared to a hospital visit to a date night interrupted or a grocery store trip interrupted to a late night call about some crazy mess that has you know happened that you are getting asked to, to run into. All of it falls under this like umbrella of comfort that you're going to be asked to give. And we just don't have anything to give if we don't get it first. Um, we get comfort. We receive comfort so that we can give it away. We don't hoard the comfort, you know, like we don't just pile up comfort, you know, for a rainy day. It's it's given to us so that we can give it away. But um, kind of to what Stephen said earlier, it's it's impossible, but then it's possible, right? It's, we don't have anything to give, but like, like it's, it's like right there for us to receive. Like God promises he is the God of comfort. And so, man, I just, you know, I think a bunch of us have tried for too long to do these things in our own strength, you know, and the results are just not going to be good. Even if they look good, they're not good, you know? And um, yeah, so that's my encouragement to you as, as someone who knows what it feels like to be yanked in a thousand different directions um, in a little place and to feel like, how is it possible? There's so much going on in this little town and how am I supposed to even come close to help? As I, I know what that feels like, writing sermons Saturday after Saturday, even though you know you're not supposed to, but it's all the time you have left. I get it. Um Man, I'm appealing to you and, and to myself, we've got to keep going to the God of comfort to receive comfort from him so that we have something to give away, you know? Can I, can I say as well, guys, I think for me, um, it was such a good, clear reminder that what we're responsible to God to do is to shepherd the sheep <laughs> and not a lot of the other stuff maybe that we, we, we run after, um, the thing that God's going to hold us accountable for is did we shepherd the sheep? And um, I thought one of the most personally, one of the most helpful insights in the book was that um, there's a way to love our people more that does not involve whether our people are great or loving us well, or, you know, it's not a function of how attractive they are or <laughs> how annoying they are. Um, we, we love our sheep more when we love Christ more. And uh, the chapter on love was really helpful in that respect. Um, like husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I've always taken that mostly as an example to follow, but actually it's, I think what, what you're arguing in the book is that it's also an experience to share because we are the church for whom Christ gave himself. Mm -hmm. So we've experienced his love from Christ that we then spill over to other people and if we can see God in them, mm. there's motivation to love them, even if they're not lovely. Um, my, my hero, George Herbert, says in uh, A Country Parson, he's talking about visiting the poor people in his congregation, and he's going into cottages, and he says, um, you know, you, you can go into a cottage, even if it smells loathsome, because God is in that cottage. Mm. Um, and God died for the people in that cottage. Mm. And I, I, that's such a powerful thought. So I think you're pointing us to a God-centered motivation for loving people, which is so encouraging to me because it doesn't, it doesn't depend on the people themselves. It, it flows from God. Mm. That's amazing. Um, if you're listening, I, one of the things I love about podcasts is the opportunity to learn of new resources. And um, I know you guys have everybody on this call has an author page on Amazon. So you can go check out their books. <laughs> and, uh, this is not the only one, but this one comes out. Uh, what date brothers is in April, early April. 11th, right. April 11. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I'm sure people could pre-order. Um, but you want Christ centered encouragement when it comes to um, loving your town, loving the flock, patiently enduring, having courage to tackle uh, giants that are too big for you, but, small for Jesus. Uh, this is a great resource that is tailor-made to you if you're serving in a small town. So mm. brothers, thank you for your time. Thank you for writing it. Uh, thank you for your example.
in, in a faithful endurance. And I think your humility, you know, I think there's a, there's a strange kind of encouragement that comes from hearing that other guys to you revere struggle. So people listen to you guys and inevitably they will think, well, these guys probably won't struggle in the same way that I do because they're writing a book. And so for you guys to be like, yeah, we're writing on things that we need. Like we're taking the medicine as we're giving it out is, yeah. is encouraging. Like hey, this is a book from real guys for real guys uh, uh, so that we can link arms and go after Jesus together and be faithful. Yeah. And um, I just appreciate you guys in that. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much. Can I just, I just say, man, I, I, I would be amiss if I didn't say, you know, that trip up there to New England a few years back um, that you guys helped organize profoundly impacted me. And, um, you know, there's a, a line, I don't know if Stephen said it or who said it, but just around this idea of if it takes a hundred years to do this, Jesus is worth it. Like forever changed me, forever changed my outlook on ministry. And um, I'm just so indebted to you guys. And I feel so proud to know you. And just, yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the guys that are leading up in New England, you are heroes. Um, and yeah, we're just, yeah, we're all better because of you. Cool. Well, thank you brothers so much for your time. We, uh, we love and respect you guys and go buy the book, Pastoring Small Towns and uh, be blessed by it like we have been. Take care guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to this conversation with Donnie Griggs and Ronnie Martin. Thankful to both of those brothers for joining us today and for their kindness in writing a book from small town pastors for small town pastors. And you will find in the book just fresh encouragement, your sincere heart stirred up by way of reminder and story. Um, I think that you will feel uh, like people understand you these brothers understand the ministry hardships that you've gone through and they continue to point us to the all-sufficient christ in the midst of um, small town ministry and how uh, specifically you can continue to love and serve with faithfulness and endurance and joy so we recommend the book check it out it's coming out april 11th if you want to find out more about our summits, our articles, other podcast episodes, or how you can become a financial partner with our ministry, check out our website at www.smalltownsummits.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.